Peace, love, knowledge, and freedom, and welcome to another exciting episode of So Frail Conversations. And today, as you've seen from the title, we're going to be talking about pride and shame. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because I had a conversation with somebody, and they were telling me that, you know, pride comes before destruction, right? So I was like, for one, I had a question. So I was like, does that mean that pride comes before your destruction or the destruction you're going to inflict on something? And it was like, what? We always internalize that pride comes before destruction, but we only think it's our destruction, right? And this is something I learned just watching Dragon Ball Z. Like, Vegeta, whenever Vegeta talks about his saying pride, he will whoop your ass right after that. And it's like, well, except Goku. But anybody, most people we talked about his saying pride to, he'll fuck them up right after that. And it's like, well, is it that pride comes before destruction or... Pride leads to destruction of some sort, which then, of course, you know, because I study the chakras and shit like that, and I know that the sacred, the solar plexus chakra, that's where pride sits. Pride and shame sit there, the opposite sides of the same coin. So I asked them, if that is the case and pride comes before destruction, then would that imply that shame comes before creation? And then they stopped and was like, hmm. And then I stopped and was like, hmm, because I didn't even anticipate it once I asked it, but then I thought about it. It's not until you accept the shame that you have and you decide you don't want it no more that you change it for your better. Like you create a new version of yourself or you create a new piece of yourself. Now, here's where that becomes dangerous because no matter where you go, you are who you are, player. You feel me? And so if you're in a space where shame is something that you like, what will you create out of shame? And then when I looked at the world, how many realities do we do we create out of shame because we're running from things or, you know, we're chasing things or whatever the case may be? Things that we're ashamed of can dictate how we create our lives. And that never hit me any any harder than it ever had. And because it did, I said, you know what, we got to do an episode on this, you know. And I felt also, too, because of this episode, we're going to end season 10 on that note. Now, the reason why we're going to end season 10 is because... <laughs> the sponsors the sponsors are pulling money for the season <laughs> no i sponsor my own shit but not for real i'm pulling i'm pulling for the season because um i, I i'm distracted it ties into this episode i'm distracted with securing and getting like all of my music stuff together so i could just kill the game this month um well not kill the game but kill what i gotta do uh this month and it's not fair to y'all that I'm dropping inconsistent episodes. It's not fair to y'all that I'm I'm not necessarily dropping them when I want to, but it's like I'm so tapped in that I'm not I'm I'm not sticking to the schedule in which I was even recording them anymore. And it's not fair to y'all. And I feel like, again, is my pride gonna get in the way to where I have to, you know, I gotta drop 15, I gotta well, 30 episodes a season, which is 15 per per um topic. So for a conversation and profane profanity. 15 episodes a piece, right? But it's like we're at we're gonna we're at 10 right now. So it's just I'm only 10 off, most basically. So you're it's short 10 episodes. But I was like, is is am I gonna let my pride get in the way and still say, you know what, I could juggle it all. Cause I can. But some I'm watching something suffer. I'm watching suffer, something suffer, and I don't like what I'm watching suffer because what I'm watching suffer is still important, nonetheless. And if I don't and if I allow my pride to get in the way, then if I allow my pride to get in the way, I'll still keep at it and I won't be giving y'all 
the quality that I feel I should be giving y'all because it's definitely not undivided anymore, you know? So I decided I'm going to give y'all this last episode for season 10. I'm going to finish up everything that I got to do and then I'll come back. It's not going to take me long. I didn't realize how fast it was going to take me. That's why I'm able to, that's why I was able to shift back and forth. But I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. So that's where we're, that's pretty much how the season is going to end on this note on pride and shame. And I feel like it's going to be a good episode uh, to end on because we always talk about pride coming before destruction whenever, but we always talk about pride coming before destruction, but, and then we also pride ourselves on not being ashamed of anything that we did, you know what I'm saying? In our lives. And we need to be ashamed of certain things and we need to have pride in certain things, which is crazy because it's why they teach us not to have too much pride, but they teach us to actually be ashamed of things. That's the same shit. That's a whole different reality, but it's the same shit. In one regard, you're telling me not to be, you're telling me not to be prideful, but you're telling me to be full of shame because it's something that's going to hit you on your, on your internal side. That's going to affect your personality. If you have pride in things, you destroy, not necessarily for bad or good. Nobody ever said that. There was no magnitude for it. Just like if you have shame, you're not necessarily going to create for good or you're not going to create bad. You can also create good. You feel me? Because remember, your purpose is on the other side of your pain. But before we dive heavy into that, be sure to follow me on Instagram at underscore just underscore seen underscore. Be sure to check out my website at IamJustSeen.com to get all things that are just seen. To all those who tip, donate, and sponsor the podcast, you are greatly appreciated. To all those who would like to tip, donate, and sponsor the podcast, you can do so by clicking the link in the description of the podcast. Not this episode, but the podcast itself. And you know the vibes. Cash App and PayPal are just fine. And see, this is really why I got to end this. Well, that's that for this, and that's this for that. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into so-for-real conversations. Pride and shame. And don't forget to visit IamJustSeen.com. There, you can get all things Just Seen. You want to add a so-for-real series to your library? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You want to learn how to master the markets for serious trading and investing? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You want to get your hands on some exclusive merch like tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, hats, bags, Visit IamJustSeen.com. Are you thinking about transitioning into the plant-based lifestyle? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You ever want to just chat with Seen about anything from simple advice to mentorship? Visit IamJustSeen.com. Anything and everything that is me, you can find at IamJustSeen.com. So take a quick peek into my world to see why being just seen is nothing less but always more. Because you never really know what you need until you see it. And you will never see it unless you visit IamJustSeen.com. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. And without further ado, we're going to dive straight heavy into this episode. So, pride and shame, right? We're going to start it off. If you, if you read So For 3 and you got to the I Read 2 chapter and then you got to the Tree of Life chapter. So, the I Read 2 chapter tells you what the chakra is. The I Read 2, and it's still the chakras, but it's an energy center, right? I Read 2 is the last, as I explained it in So For that is the last... Um, Afrocoid expression of what the chakra was. Everything else, you know, chakra is, you know, um, Middle Eastern or whatever the case may be. But when we actually see what it means to operate from the solar plexus energy, we will find out that it is blocked by shame. And I would always wonder, like, if it's blocked by shame, then, like, when I first started studying chakras, when I figured out what something was blocked by 
I didn't realize what it was that I was looking at at first. Because it's like, when they say it's blocked by this, you have to go by that. And then I realized that if it's blocked by a thing, it's also blocked by its antithesis. It's also blocked by its equal and opposite. You feel what I'm saying? This is how when I talk about uh, the root chakra, when I talk about, oh, it's blocked by fear, it's also blocked by faith. This is why I teach you how to go through the levels of the mind and understand that fear and faith are the same thing. Fear, the reason why the root chakra ends up being blocked by fear as opposed to faith is because fear keeps you, fear is avoidance of the unknown. Faith is going towards the unknown. It's weird shit. You feel what I'm saying? But they're the same thing. The focus is the unknown piece. You can have faith and stay in a, in a root chakra mode because now your faith doesn't allow you to consciously think about shit. So you just kind of go with the flow and you don't take accountability or anything for the things that you do, but that's just root chakra level. So I'm using that because now sacred chakra it is blocked by uh, guilt. And this is why if you read so for a three, I took guilt to the next level and said, hey, you have to call it onus because when you look at guilt, or whatever the case may be, we think it's just blocked by guilt. No, it's blocked by shame. It's blocked by blame and credit, right? Your feelings can get tainted by what you're blamed by or what you're constantly giving credit for. Shit can inflate your ego. You see what I'm saying? So that's why it's onus. It's blocked by onus. When you master the idea of onus, then you can have the balance. So now when we get to the solar plexus, it's like they say it's blocked by shame. Then it has to be blocked by pride too. Pride and shame are the same thing. In equal and opposite fashion. You feel me? To be ashamed of something carries the same magnitude as being prideful. Right? But somehow we only learn that pride comes before destruction. So what the fuck comes before shame? So that's why I posed the question. Well, wouldn't it mean that shame comes before creation? And I feel like it does. This is why I ended with that point of saying that your purpose is found on the other side of your pain. Everybody who comes out, like when you think about how life works, and this is something that I've learned as a business person, as dealing with entrepreneurship, people like authenticity for one, but they like stories. And the deeper and darker the story and the worse the story is in which you overcome, the more they fuck with you. 50 Cent got shot nine times. Nigga, that's a survivor. That's a story of a survivor. To go on and say, get rich or die trying, and then he actually gets, gets rich and doesn't die. Hmm. That's a hell of a story. You dig what I'm saying? When you see somebody's story, you now have to get to a point where you have to realize what made you comfortable enough to share your story. So now, no matter what industry I've been in, as no matter how who I talk to as a mentor for entrepreneurship, it always came back to the same thing. Your story. Your story, your story, your story. You can't tell your story if you're ashamed of it. But then when people are not ashamed of their stories no more, what happens? They create a whole new life for themselves. Right? So it's like pride does come for destruction, but shame also leads to creation. If you can overcome the shame. But you have to be able to understand both pride and shame in order to find that balance where your personal identity is. You feel me? This is why I talk about the uh, sacred chakra so much. Because if your feelings aren't mastered, you're going to take onus for some bullshit. And if you take onus for and the, and the shit that you take onus for is ultimately going to determine whether you're going to be a prideful person or a shameful person. You feel what I'm saying? Me personally, I heard the 200th episode. I lived with shame for a long time. For a long time, my nigga. Like a long time. So much so that it led, it led me to creating a destructive life. 
I know. I said, well, if shame leads to creation, I know it led to creation of a destructive life, just like pride can lead to destruction of a created substance. You feel what I'm saying? They can work like that. So it led me to the creation of a, of a, of a bad life because I felt so guilty for what I did. I felt so ashamed of what I had done. And when I really looked at it, I, in reality, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't force the woman. I didn't do nothing crazy. I didn't like, you know what I'm saying? Everything was consensual. Everything was good. The only thing was she wasn't old enough. Now, mind you, let me say this. If y'all haven't heard the 200 episode, I was 17 years old. Okay? This is not some shit that happened two weeks ago. No, nigga. No, nigga. But at the time, a 17-year-old kid, if I'm 17, she's 13, um, or whatever the case may be, but our friend circle was the same. You feel me? This is no different than like high, a high school senior fucker with a ninth grader. You know what I'm saying? It's similar shit. So, but at the same time, it wasn't the same shit because it just didn't work out that way for me, you know, but that situation and that circumstance, it made me see life through a shameful lens. They think pride comes before destruction. Like when you got pride, you'll fuck up your shit. That's because you can't see anymore. Pride doesn't give you the capacity to see because the onus that you have internalized, which is credit, that's what makes you prideful. I'm good at this. I take the credit for this. People put this on my shoulders. People do this. I, I'm going to get prideful. You feel what I'm saying? If I knock out 100 niggas and shit, I'm proud to let me think I can knock out the 101. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people be thinking it's arrogance and it's like, no, sometimes it's proof. A lot of pride is proof. And that's why it's hard to go through. But sometimes you can prove, you can prove yourself against something. You can sometimes what you've proven yourself against can still be unproven against something else. You see what I'm saying? Just like something that you were once ashamed for can be a very liberating story. And this is something that I've learned because everybody that I know, you know, everybody that I know, especially myself, that has told a story, their life story, you know how many people say, yo, you helped my life. You helped change my life so much. I didn't think anybody else went through that. I didn't. Think now, here's the thing about that. And this is part of, this ties into this episode. Imagine, had you have never t told your story and then been able to say that I was able to overcome it and what you had to do to get through it, somebody else would still internalize the shame that this is the person, the identity of who I am, and I can't change the circumstance. Like sometimes you need somebody to tell the story of what they what they were shamed by in order to help you get through. So when I say shame can lead to creation, this is what I'm saying. Just as equally as pride can lead to destruction. Because we constantly talk about pride comes before destruction. Pride comes before the fall. The fall of what, though? Because it always fuck with me. It's like, I hate it. I, I never, at least why I kind of hated the English language until I mastered it. But it's like, how can you be proud of a child? But pride, you shouldn't be like, how can you be proud of something? But pride comes before destruction. Pride becomes before the fall. So it's like, the moment you become proud of me is, is the fall next? In, in my, in how many of us subconsciously internalize that without knowing it? Unconsciously internalize that without knowing it. The moment somebody says that they were proud of us, it fucks with us. Because now you know, oh shit, a fall is coming. You don't, even, you don't even know why you think a fall is coming. And I'm not saying everybody feels that way. I'm speaking from a personal perspective. I'm speaking from a perspective of people that I've spoken to who, you know, they think people have hidden agendas when they're nice to them. Why? Because pride comes before destruction. So when somebody tells you that they're good at you're good at this and they're hyping you up or whatever the case may be, and they you internalize, oh, they're proud of me. Oh shit. Oh shit. You consciously you're not thinking about it anymore, but subconsciously you're thinking, yo, pride comes before destruction. 
pride, proud, those are the same fucking words. So how can you be proud of something? But then having pride in something is is bad. Makes no sense. The reason why motherfuckers want you to feel like that is because when you take pride in something, it transitions you into a whole nother level. Because what they also don't talk about is when your personal identity is rooted in pride, you now move into the heart chakra energy of love. That's the frequency you'll be on. You'll be on a love frequency, which is the power for betterment through correction when you have pride. Okay? That's why the destruction can be the pride comes before destruction. They changed it to pride comes before the fall. The, the historical context was pride comes before destruction. Destruction doesn't necessarily mean destruction of yourself. It's destruction of something. You ever seen... <laughs> I hope she don't get mad at me for telling the story. But before I was born, my mama was a gangster. She don't like talking about it because she got back in church and shit. So she, my mama was a gangster, bro. She knew how to break bottles and shit. My auntie, one of my aunties used to hide razor blades and afro. Like, they were some gangsters, bro. They were some gangsters and shit. Right. But um, she was she was telling me a story one time about uh, a lady saying she was going to uh, do something to my older brother. He was like five or some shit. She was going to hit him in the head with a brick. My mama dusted the lady off. She went down there and beat her motherfucking ass. That was pride. Because pride ultimately leads to love, the power for betterment through correction. One thing I heard my mama say countless times throughout my life, do not fuck with my kids. She ain't say fuck because, well, she was, but by the time I was born, she won't cuss it no more. My mom won't cuss and she won't smoke and she won't drink and she won't do nothing by the time I was born. So I was like, I seen the side that other the other siblings don't. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, mom wasn't never. I had to listen to the story. Like, you was rolling like that. And then my sisters and brother like, yeah, man, she beat that lady up for saying, what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, she was like, hey. She was, and this is what she said. Hey, don't mess with my children. She meant that. I ain't going to say she meant that. She means that. You feel me? To this day, do not mess with her babies. We grown as fuck. I'm the youngest and I'm grown and we do not mess with her children. But it's pride in that. So when I ask and I, and I watch anybody else who really loves their motherfucking kids, I, I even seen, I seen this picture. This was such a fucking beautiful picture. It was crazy because two cheetahs were attacking a gazelle and the gazelle was just standing there and I couldn't like... Damn, this is a gangsta-ass gazelle. I'm just looking at it. It's looking straight into the camera. But then in the camera shot, the, it, it was taken by a photographer who just happened to be there. And as I'm looking at the shot, I'm reading the caption of what happened. The, the photographer was like, they broke down crying because the mother, that was a mother. And she stood there so her babies can get away. Stood there and let the cheetahs eat her so the babies can get away. So that's another instance of pride become. Now, that destruction was at her own, you know, for her own detriment. You know, the example of my mother was for the, the betterment. But what is the destruction? Is that, and I got to ask, is that really destruction if her kids were able to? You feel what I'm saying? So I had to ask myself, like, what is, what is, what is pride for real? And if shame is off the other side of that, you know what I mean? What is it? So when you internalize shame, that leads you to do hateful shit. And we know that hate is the opposite of love. It's the power for incorrection. It's the um, power for detriment through incorrection. We know incorrection ain't a word. We're just keeping things balanced. You know what I mean? You're for the detriment of some shit. That's what hate is. It's for the detriment. Doesn't make anything better. So now when you have shame, you create detrimental shit. You feel me? I've never, that's what always fuck with me because it's like, I've never met a motherfucker who had pride in some shit that didn't build anything beautiful. 
I just, and like, I've never met a motherfucker who was ashamed of themselves who could create anything beautiful. It's like, yeah, they, it's like Eeyore. Niggas with shame are like Eeyore, bruh. It's just like, I don't know what I'm, a, and it's a form of creation. You create the life that you want. So flashbacking it in, when I had internalized shame, that fucked with my life for eight years. From 17 to 25. No, I say 20, well, 24, 25. Because that's when I started studying spirituality. That's when I started meditating. That's when I started learning the real shit. Not this bullshit of just pray and it'll go away. It don't. Trust me, it don't. This is not, this is not, I'm not saying prayer don't work. I'm saying prayer works for a reason. You have to know the reason why prayer works. A lot of motherfuckers just need to just talk to something. No, prayer is intentional speech. It is divine utterance, but speech has to come from an intentional place. Motherfuckers just be talking of telling what they want, right? That's the thing. You know, they tell about what they want. They don't speak what they have to do. That's what a prayer is. Hear me well. This is why faith without works is dead. This is why you can't pray without doing the action because prayer is the acknowledge that this is what I have to do and then the works is what you do. Everybody says, here's what I need. This is what I want. That's why prayer is so bullshit because they don't pray right. You feel me? But anywho, in that time, eight years, when I actually learned the spirituality, I realized that I was ashamed of myself for eight years. And I created the exact life out of shame. The heartbreak that I was in at first, I'm like, oh, this is karma for the hoes that I had fucked up. And it might have been. It might have been. I ain't even mad at that. But I got into that situation out of shame. I felt I deserved a person with that type of energy. I didn't even know what type of energy I was putting out at the time. And I was putting out a shameful energy. And I met a motherfucker who was ashamed of themselves. And this is not to be me disrespecting her um, or no shit like that. But from the shit that she had experienced in life, she was ashamed of herself. As was I. That was our mirror. And literally when we really, when I put it on paper, it's like we went through our situations around the same time. Cause she was, no, 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 no. When was mine? Was it senior, first senior year? Yep, it was first semester of my senior year in, in high school. That would have been her. No, I think her situation happened her second semester. And no, her first sem her, her second semester of her first year in um college. So literally this, around the same time we go through something that makes us that brings shame to ourselves. And it's not just to us, it's to the people around us. And the people around us remind us that they're ashamed of what we did. Not like vocally and like they're beating us down and no shit like that. But the once you see somebody, once you see what your actions do to a motherfucker, you'll never you can never shake that feeling again. I'd never seen my mother cry a day in my life. And this person, she never seen her father cry in her life. But when her father, uh, that's a different story. So that's that's two person. That's her business. So that that's a different story. So we both ended up meeting each other on some shameful shit. We created a relationship out of shame. I'm gonna let y'all sit with that for a second. Her and I created a relationship out of shame. I never realized that before. Like I'm literally sitting with that right now because I never looked at it from that perspective. I just, you know what I mean? How many times, like, what do we create our relationships? What personal identity do we bring when we're creating relationships? 
Because like I said, shame still leads to a creation of some sort. It's like pride still leads to destruction of some sort. And here's the crazy, here's the quandary is what I'm using. I'm, I'm glad I can use this relationship afterwards and then stick it into the context of being 17 to 25 years old and being ashamed. You feel me? I didn't stop being ashamed of what I had done until I wrote So Frail. Because writing So Frail, I felt kind of absolved me of everything that I had done. I can admit that. Because I was like, damn, I'm not that person. Like, I have to write this wrong. I have to figure out a way to write this wrong. But I realized it was bigger than that. I didn't just, this just didn't happen to me because it was me. It's a cultural thing that I was a plant in. You know, y'all seen the movie, they clone Tyrone, right? I'm the embodiment of the clone of the ladies' man, the pimp. The pimp doesn't always have to put holes on the stroll. You, you dig what I'm saying? The pimp is not always putting holes on the stroll. You remember in, um, when 50 first came out, when he did PIMP, he said, they were like, he ain't got no perm. He don't drive a Cadillac. You feel me? But he said, I'm still a pimp. The fuck? And the mannerisms in which he did, 50 Cent, largely, he was a gangster. And he still, when he, he's still ladies' man type shit, too. You dig what I mean? And so, it's the part of the clone. We all got stories of the old heads that was coming to pick up that senior high school girls. And you know what I'm saying? From school. We all got it. Like, it's the culture. So... I had to look at it from that perspective. I had to stop. Was it me? Yeah, it was me. It was your action according to the programming. So now I'm ashamed of myself and not seeing a bigger picture of what really this was inevitable. This is inevitable. If I didn't become the pimp, I would have been a gangster. Because the board, it was literally right there. When I saw, when I think I was like 16, when I actually realized I can't do the streets. I won't. And my brother had beef beef. And at the time, this is why I'd be like, yo, when niggas be like, yo, we beefing. Don't play with me like that. Because if you really think it's beefing, I got to accept that it's, you know, some war shit. Because that's what I saw as beef. So my brother was beefing with motherfuckers. And his girlfriend pulled up in a new car. And when she pulled up in a different car, she sped up on him. And all you heard was skirt. He sprinted out into the streets and pulled his gun out. And my, it, my heart stopped. I thought my brother was going to die. I thought, it was a, I thought it was a hit. Like, when I heard the tire screw, I thought they were just going to run down on him. Cause they was in cars, he was on foot. I was like, <gasps> and then when the car stopped and her windows were down, she said, "Bay, bay, bay, it's me, it's me, it's me." <laughs> he said, "Girl, I almost killed you." At that point, I was like, "I don't, I'm, I can't do this no more. I don't want to be no gangster, bro. <laughs> I don't want to be no gangster. You feel me? I still had hands, but then I just switched and said, I want to have hoes now." But there was still a programming for that already in place for me that I knew that I knew nothing about. So here I am being guided into the pimp life, but I'm not a pimp. I don't have hoes. I don't put hoes on a stroke, but I had hoes. I had a team. I wasn't fucking them and sending them off or no shit like that. But I could do shit. I did some pimp shit a couple times. You feel me? I knew that this woman, this is so trash, bro. I knew that this woman wanted to fuck me so bad, but I didn't want to fuck her. But my homie did. So she was like, I want you so bad. I was like, look, you got to fuck my mans before you can fuck with me. And she didn't want to fuck with him. But she fucked him just so she could fuck me. And I didn't want to fuck her, so I had to fuck her. That's some savage shit. I was a fucked up individual. But at that time, I didn't have shame for the shit that I was doing. I didn't give up. I was actually prideful about being a pimp. Or having that mentality. You feel me? So now, when I turned 17... 
And then I go through what I go through. Go listen to the 200th episode. I go through what I go through. It lasted for eight. That shame lasted for eight years. Because I was like, I'm not this motherfucker. That's when my soul came back. The programming died. When you when you go through some earth shattering shit, the programming dies. Your operations, whatever operating system you had, it crashes. And the real you shows the fuck up. And you're like, why did you do that? Now you questioning yourself. You're like, you're finally questioning yourself because the programming is done. You're like, hold up. I, what? Now the shame kicks in. I internalized so much at 17 years old and I didn't get therapy for it. I didn't get help for it. None of that shit. I think people realized, people just thought because I, I beat the case and because I didn't go to jail and it was dropped and I got my record clean that I was okay. Nah, nigga. <laughs> I was fucked up. I was fucked up for eight years. I was fucked up for eight years and I had too much pride to admit that I was fucked up. Because I'm like, at least I'm not in jail. At least I didn't go to jail. Physically, I'm not shackled. But mentally, I'm shackled. Spiritually, I'm shackled by the same situation for eight years. Because I was ashamed of it. When your personal identity is now built through shame, guess what happens? You don't operate through love. You operate out of hate. Now, again, people be thinking hatred is hateful. It's like, it's so dark. And it's not. It's simply the power for detriment through incorrection. Self-sabotage is hatred, but you can only hate yourself when you're ashamed of what you do. That's why you self-sabotage. Nobody talks about that part of self-sabotage. They be like, get out of your head. Why are you in your head? Because you're ashamed of yourself. So you're now going to feel anything that you do deserves this particular thing. The woman that I was with, I knew I should not have been with her. I didn't like her mouth. I didn't like, not the head. I didn't like her mouth and talking. It's the guy, it's guy talk. So I could talk like that now. I didn't like the way she spoke to me. I didn't like the way she, you know what I'm saying? She, yo bro, one time she disrespected me in public. When I say she disrespected me so bad in public, bro, it was so bad, but I was ashamed of myself and I took it. Let me tell you what happened. I'm sitting down chilling or whatever the case may be. Not, well, we all out. It's like nighttime or some shit. Class is over. We chilling outside. It's like the beginning of the semester. So we chilling and shit. And she give a dude her number in front of me. You feel me? As a man, you know what another man is trying to, is stepping on your toes. So as she gets closer to me, he's like, all right, I got you locked in. I'm going to call you later. And I look and I'm like, so you just going to get a nigga number in front of me. And you know what response I got? All oh, these bitches that be looking. I said, I've never disrespected you to get a nigga's number, a woman's number, or take a number in front of you. You did it in front of me. You didn't care. But I was ashamed of myself. I thought I deserved it. For a long time, a lot of the shit that kept happening, I was like, well, you know, it's because I was a hoe. I was fucking these bitches over and I was doing all that. I'm going to tell you, honey, this, this episode is going to reveal why you always hear me say, karma stops when you want it to. Now, there's deeper points to it. It ain't just, oh, I turn karma off. Nah, karma stops when you stop being ashamed of yourself. Karma stops when you understand the difference between shame and pride. Karma stops when you get your personality, your, your personal identity in check by overcoming the, the, the binds of pride and shame. It wasn't until I was 25 years old where I said I wasn't going to be ashamed of that shit anymore. My life changed. But karma stopped. All that, you know what I'm saying? You're going to keep running into these type of, no, no, no. I had realized I was putting, I wasn't running into those. I was, I kept running into those type of women because I put myself in that position to be attracted to those type of women because I was ashamed of myself. 
That's a crazy thing to know because now if you're listening to this and we cross paths and we may have talked at, at that time, now this is between 17 years old and 25 years old. Any of y'all after that, I'm not talking about y'all. If whatever happened was supposed to happen. But from 17 to 25, all of those experiences was out of me having shame for myself. It never registered while I was in it. You know what I'm saying? My lack of confidence, my uncertainty within myself, that's shame. Like, it's shame, it's, it's not as difficult or it has to be as, as hard as like the very shit that we feel like we, we, we can't be happy for. Like, when we feel like, feel miserable and sad, that's shame, homie. So for eight years, I was ashamed of myself, but I carried myself as if I wasn't. This is why when I graduated from undergrad, I didn't give a fuck. Like, my, like one of my, um, my advisor was like, why don't I have an invite to your, um, cause I was like, cause you work here. You just come to the graduation. What am I going to get your invite for? She said, no, that's not the point. Racine. The point is this is an accomplishment for you. And I was like, honestly, I don't feel like this is an accomplishment. And I didn't know why I kept trying to rationalize it as it's not an accomplishment for me because, oh, I still got to get a master's. I still got to go to med school. I said, this is just the foundational piece. But then it was like deeper than that. I was ashamed of it. I didn't deserve it. Cause all I could think about, all I could think about back to was, all right, I got at least this can help to. I was trying to do things to erase what the fuck happened, rather than just accepting that, yo, this is that happened. It's not you. I was ashamed of that situation. Anybody would be ashamed of that situation, especially if that's not who they were. You feel me? I don't like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. Through, I'm gonna take you through a psychological field real quick. You feel me? Start off knowing. Start off under the premise that the whole thing was like, I'm going to tell you where that shut me down. I'm going to tell you where my whole mind just went blank. And at this point, I couldn't think. And it was hard to think. I was When I was 17, like the moment it happened, like her mom asked me or whatever the case may be. The girl's mama came up to me and was like, you had sex with my daughter? I was like, yeah. She was like, you just said it like you just you just bold with it. You just don't care. I'm like, fuck, I'm alive for Like, I got to tell the truth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't know what I was admitting to. I was being honest, but I didn't know what I was admitting to. I didn't know that the story was that I had raped this girl. Not that I just had sex with her. It was like, nah, you raped her, bro. Whoa. So as the docket comes down, when you first get this shit, and now they're telling you you're being charged for raping somebody, it gets, wow, you, you, you fucked up. You like, I didn't, I didn't. Now you're running through, did I rape her, bro? Oh, shit, did I? Fuck. And now you're questioning yourself. It's like, was that rape? I didn't. What is fucking with you? Now, as I said, from that perspective, when they introduced the point of, well, you know, she was mentally retarded. She wasn't mentally retarded, y'all. They put that, the, the, the officer, racist officer, and I knew he was racist from the time. I knew he was racist because when he gave me my mugshot, he was like, you're not going to smile? But this was the same cop that wrote the report. And in writing the report, he wrote that she was mentally retarded. It wasn't until we sat down in front of the family and everything, and he was like, she was like, my daughter ain't mentally retarded. Where'd that come from? He said, this, was, this is what the officer said. And I was like, wow. Things started to feel a little better because I was like, something's fucking with me. But then it was just like, it didn't help <laughs> to go from, you know what I'm saying? Mentally, what is, not even mentally, spiritually, what is this doing to you as a person? To know that what you thought was something innocent has turned into something different. And it's like, all I did was tell the truth. For what I had did, because I didn't know that what I had did was, I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. 
did I? Now that's once I asked, did I? That's when shit changed because when the charges started coming, I started fucking up. And then by the time of the, the court case was done, so it goes from it goes from it started off as a uh, rape of a, a mentally challenged person. I didn't know that was a crime. Like like there's a you know how, <laughs> real quick I gotta say this. I just gotta say this because this is how they operate. Like how many times does this have to happen for it to become a law? Where motherfuckers is raping mentally challenged people. So I'm like, wait, that's an actual law y'all have. Hmm. And that's what he wrote it up as. This this young lady was not mentally retarded. She wasn't. So it goes from that. And then once we go through the court systems and we're actually going through the case, like, no, that's not what happened. Cause the mother's like, she's not mentally retarded. So they took the mentally retarded off. And then it was just, you know, rape. And then as it, the truth started coming out, she didn't, she was like, yeah, I knew I wasn't supposed to be over there. And he was like, yeah. When the lawyer pressed her, she said, okay, it was consensual. And it was just, she said what she said. Cause she was scared. And I was like, I get you. I get you again. Shame. I make you do some shit. Shame. I make you do some shit. Everybody was like, yo, she was foul. She was, she was ashamed. She was ashamed of what happened to her. In that moment, she's leaving out and everybody's laughing at her. Now, mind you, again, you got to listen to the 200th episode, but nothing extreme happened. It was just as soon as I, I put the head in and then she started bleeding. So I don't know if I dehominated her or what, but she just started bleeding. But it was a lot of blood. And from that perspective, when she walked out, everybody's laughing at her. <gasps> yo, nigga, you killed her and shit. Shame. Shame is a motherfucker. So now when, you know, her mom has to ask her about it, she wasn't even supposed to be outside playing. She's not even supposed to be fucking and having sex. And I wasn't even the first nigga to hit. That's why I was a little upset. But in that, she still experienced shame. And that's what it translated into. People think pride comes before destruction. Shame leads to creation of something. You know what I'm saying? Her shame translated to me being ashamed, growing to be ashamed of myself. But we were in a situation that either one of us knew anything about shame prior. You feel what I'm saying? So it goes from that after my lawyer screens or whatever. I'm so glad I had a lawyer because they would fuck me up if I didn't. But took the part about, you know, and it just stuck his rape. He pinned her more and it was like, oh, no, it wasn't. It was all consensual. Then it became the challenge. We got to, her mom, we got to do something. Let's go for statutory then. Statutory was the only thing. North Carolina law is statutory is four years. She was 17. I mean, I was 17. She was 13. But we were three years and nine months apart. I was like, oh, my goodness. But I still went out of court. (laughs) They just kept reducing the charge because each charge that they led, I I kept beating. It was just like, oh, no, okay. So the final charge that they got was uh, contributing to delinquency. The fuck does that mean? You feel me? I just went on ahead and said, fuck it. My lawyer said it was good. He said, yeah, we'll do this. We'll get you some community service to take it off. But I was like, I didn't do anything. I, if I couldn't get stat, like y'all really just put me in the system for nothing. But again, my ignorance and just wanting to be out of it didn't know it. So he was like, you can get your record expunged. So I eventually got my record expunged. Mind you, I'm 17 years old while this is happening. 17 years old I thought this happened. When the judge says what the verdict is and everything like that, everybody's rejoicing, everybody's happening. Oh, all you got was community service, 50 hours of community service that you can get your record sponge if you don't get any trouble anymore. Well, damn, he never got in trouble up to this point. This was the only time. And it's like, shit. 
y'all, I beat the case, but it didn't go anywhere. This is one of the reasons, this is one of the things that I really start, this is one of the things that I really have the biggest issue with religious people. They tell people all the time, they don't be honest with people. They say, you got to give it to God. You give it to God and they don't realize that there's still that lingering thing that's deep within you that you, you can't admit to. So now you have to perform as if nothing's wrong. Everybody kept saying, give it to God. I gave, I gave the shit to the nigga a long time ago. At 17, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to give it to God. I ain't even going to worry about it. I'm just going, nah, you got to fix that shit, homie. Because you got to fix how it internally fucked you up. You got to fix how it internally fucked you up. It fucked me up for eight years. Fast forward, the relationship that I got in. Afterwards, that was the worst relationship I ever had. I got into it only because I was ashamed of myself. Everybody told me when the people that knew me the best that like my my cut little cousin first met her, he was like, "Nigga, that's you." <laughs> the same one that told me that I fell off. Again, I didn't even realize this was all out of shame. The college that I went to, I would have went to. I didn't go to the college out of shame because I had, my mind was set to go to that college when I was fifteen years old. You feel me? When I was fifteen years old, and that was already made made up. But from seventeen on, I, I ain't gonna say seventeen on. I'm gonna say from. The time the verdict was released that I was just contributing to delinquency and I got my 50 hours of community service. And once I finished my community service from that moment on, that was it. That was it. The shame kicked in and every situation was based off of that. Every situation was based off of, damn, somebody going to look me up and find find this out, find that out. It's like, all right, well, I got to achieve all of these different things. And because I knew I had to get my record clear, I couldn't fuck up. So when I went to college, they, I don't, I, it psychologically fucked me. It psychologically twisted me so much that when I went to college, when I, when we did our um exam, I mean, our um testing at the beginning where they were trying to see where we were mentally, they were like, you know, you're antisocial. I said, I'm not antisocial. I said, I am choosing to refrain from certain things. so I don't get in trouble. And nobody was like, oh, what you get in trouble, bro. You're a good kid. Like you're a good person. I don't want to get in trouble. I can't get in trouble. I can't, I have to get my record expunged. I cannot get in trouble. So I'm not fucking with nobody. I'm not fighting. I'm not getting loud with nobody. Shame is a motherfucker. To go from being a violent motherfucker who slapped the shit out of somebody who looked at you wrong, to knowing that, to, to, to biting your tongue just because you got it, bro. Because I can't fuck up. If I get in any trouble, my record, it stays on my record. I can't have that. Cannot have that. But then I'm like 18 years old, I think. The record got expunged. Because I did what I was supposed to do. Again, the record got his sponge. Everything's supposed to go. No, the shame is still there. Shame is still there. This is one of the moments like a lot of people don't look at it like this. They think that the shit that you, just because you can put on the front and act like the shit's all good, that it's all good. It's not. It's fucking not, bro. It's not. You think because you go through something in the physical that it takes that shame, like the shit stops on the spiritual and the mental too. No. No. So just because the record got expunged didn't mean that I expunged the shit for myself because I couldn't. You know why? Because every time I turned around, everybody reminded me of what the fuck happened. Everybody reminded me of the trauma. Everybody reminded me how my trauma impacted them. Everybody kept reminding me of the shit and the shame stayed there. And this was the moment. And wow, this is why I fell in love with this woman. Because when I expressed my shame to her, she didn't judge me. That's the first, she was the first person I ever told. And the moment I told her, she was like, wow, I see why you're so intense with life. She said, but I need you to understand. Like, she said, had you never told me, I would have never even suspected that that can come out of you. 
She said, and even then it didn't even come out of you. She said, you're making it more than what it is. And I fell in love with her that moment because she was the first person who seen me beyond ashamed. But she was dealing with her own shame. Our relationship was what it was because we looked past the shame that we both felt. And that's why we loved each other. But this was some toxic shit. <laughs> this is a trauma bond like a motherfucker. <laughs> Yo, it was a trauma bond like a motherfucker. Two motherfuckers and sh- they, they are ashamed of themselves and they come together in a relationship and they love each other. Only thing that's going to happen is destruction. Neither one of us should have been in it. Like, we loved that we loved each other, I think. You know what I'm saying? We we love through, we love through the shame. That's a different thing. It's one thing to love through pain, but when somebody loves you through shame, it's different. But then it's like you always wonder, do they... You always wonder when they're going to actually see the shame and use it against you. And that's not your fault. And and you can't you can't expect to see the to see, you can't expect to see the shame or show it cuz you think your shame is always on display and it ain't. I heard Jay say a quote and it was very powerful cuz this is what happens in the hood a lot. A lot of the times we be fighting is be some it's cuz of some internal shit that a motherfucker said and a motherfucker felt and we, 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 we turned up on it. Why are you looking at me? Bitch, ain't nobody looking at you. You feel me? Don't be looking at me. What the fuck you looking at me for? Bitch, ain't nobody looking at you. You feel what I'm saying? It's, it's, and then a fight happens. Because you think I see deeper than what you show. That's shame. That's shame. And that builds your personal identity. Sad part. It's going to get shifted a little bit, but sad part is that most of our culture, most of the black culture, if you're black and you're religious, nine times out of ten, you internalize shame. And I don't give a fuck how you talking about, no, I don't. I put it on the altar. I do this. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. That's why you need religion, to absolve you of the shame that you feel. Don't even realize that that's how that shit works. (gasps) Mind blown. (laughs) Think about the people that, like, think about the people that's in church, that's heavily in church. Listen to their stories. They tell the most shameful story and say, but God. Is it really but God or did you run away from the shame because you still didn't heal it? Because you're still going through the same shit and now you live a life of fear. Now you live a life of uh, a sedentary life. You're just waiting to die because of shame. I know this episode, this is a hell of a finale. (laughs) This is a hell of a finale, but this is real. These are things that I had to go through and learn. I can't just teach y'all about the chakras and overcoming it without telling you the experience that I had to overcome that led me to understanding this shit. You feel what I'm saying? I was the heaviest, heavy, I was of the heaviest religion. When people ask me how I know it so much, because of shame. I was I was so ashamed that I kept reading and I kept studying and I kept going into it. I said, they're teaching me if I get back into it, it'll erase. It never fucking left. I studied this shit for the whole seven year time. It's crazy. I studied it for up to, for seven years. So from 18 to 25, I was studying the Bible. From 17 to 25, I carry my shame. I think by like 24, I had already read the Bible for my second time. You see what I'm saying? And then by then I had studied the the different languages and the cultures and the origins and shit, trying to absolve my shame. Same thing everybody else is doing. That's why we're in these religions, because it's like, oh, I know I'm not worthy. But then when you listen to the fucking gospel music and shit, that makes it hard. Listen to the lyrics of the shit. It makes you ashamed of yourself. It makes you feel like you're not supposed to have shit. 
we fall down, but we get up. The fuck? Who wants to hear that shit? But you internalize that shit. You feel me? What is it? CC Wine is a Yolanda Adams one who got a song called You're the God of a Second Chance. I just need to feel the touch of your hymn. Without your hand in my life, I don't understand. That's some shameful shit, bro. That's crazy. So again, I'm studying this religion heavy. It's like when I actually left the motherfucking niggas, it was like, you know, if you like, y'all don't understand how deep I tried to stay in this bitch. It wasn't working for me. And I can honestly admit that it wasn't working for me. And that's cool if you think that is if they're working for you. But I can promise you, I've observed that the most heavily religious people hold on to a level of shame that they that you won't even fathom until you listen to their stories. So they do all that hooping and hollering. They go and it's like, you ever wonder like why they start crying? I had a girlfriend. We would go to church together. And when we went to church together. Now, I, I can even say this is the same one. When we started going to church together, you feel me? We'd be in church and she'd start crying. The fuck did you cry for? Because the word was just for me. No, you're guilty. You're ashamed of yourself. That's why. And the pastor is guilting you. That's crazy. You are already ashamed of yourself. So now when you go to church and the pastor say something, he guilts you. Now, if you sow your seed, you plant your blessing and shit. <laughs> it's a hustle that's, play, that's played on your shame. But again, shame and pride, the same shit. Everybody talk about pride coming before the fall, but they don't understand what you create when you're in shame, when you're ashamed of shit. Who you see now, the profane profundity, the all of the shit, I'm not ashamed of myself no more. Clearly you can tell, but I'm not ashamed of myself anymore. I was heavily ashamed of myself for seven years of my life. And you know, when you have a purpose in the world <laughs> and you have a grand purpose, and you're ashamed of who you are. You don't think you're supposed to use your purpose. You know how, if, you know how, if, let's say I remained ashamed of myself, there would be no so for real, because I wouldn't have done the healing to figure out masculinity. There would be no hitting it raw. There would be no master in the market. There would be none of this shit if I still stayed ashamed of myself. Because all of these things that I gave y'all, these are things that I was supposed to give y'all as a, as a part of my purpose. I'm ashamed of myself. How can I complete my purpose? Hey, bro, for real, though, at some point, we got to stop talking to women about masculinity and start talking to each other about it. And I mean really talk to each other. Not as enablers and co-signers, but as men trying to reach the pinnacle of our essence. And that's what the So Frail series does. So Frail 1 is the definition. So Frail 2 is the acknowledgement. And So Frail 3 is the resolution. If you rock with the Soul Frail Conversations, I can guarantee you will rock with the Soul Frail series of books. So visit IamJustSeen.com right now so you can add the series to your library. I promise you will never look at masculinity the same again, and you're going to stop wasting your time arguing with women about it. This is a conversation that men need to have between men, and it's time we start having this conversation now. It's not going to work, and a lot of people don't think about that. Shame is powerful, but it's just as powerful as pride. But we only focus on pride. We love to say, don't have pride, but don't be ashamed of nothing either. It's easier said than done because it's easier to say than do. How do you not be ashamed of some shit that you did? It's one thing that, and this is one of, something that I've learned about is unapologetic word. 
people are like I'm unapologetically this. I'm gonna, when you're unapologetic, that means you do shit that doesn't need apology. It's not that you refuse to apologize. <laughs> Being unapologetically black means that I'm black without the need to apologize. Like, not that I refuse to apologize for being black. <laughs> I don't give a fuck how you feel about me being black. You feel me? I don't live a life that I feel, I don't live the blackness that I feel needs to be apologized for. So when niggas do shit on the internet and they be like, yo, they just set us, no, they set y'all and themselves back 400 years, bitch. I'm going forward 400. That ain't got shit to do with me. Your situation, and this is another thing that they group us in. When one of us do something, they make us all feel the shame of it. That's a motherfucker. You know how you know how much you want to disassociate yourself from your people because your people bring shame to you and they don't really bring shame to you, but somebody made you feel shame for your people. When your people are being, they and then they'll steal the very shit that they make you feel ashamed of. Ain't that a bitch? That's some cold gangster shit. They'll make you feel ashamed for being ghetto, for being loud, for being bright, for being vibrant, for being all of these different things, and then they'll steal the shit <laughs> and give it to a Kardashian. The very shit they shame you for, they take and use. You know, you know, psychologically, that is a very, that is a very, that's psychological warfare. That's a whole different level of psychological warfare. To shame you for something that I'm going to take. That's how they do, this is how they devalue our communities. This is how gentrification works. Gentrification only works because you can make the people feel shame for themselves. Ain't nobody going to buy the hood. I'm ashamed of the hood because it's dilapidated. It's broken down. Not that it's a quick buy. It's a, it's the, it's the best buy. I'm out of the hood. I'm ashamed of the hood, so I'm going to leave it and go to the suburbs. Y'all, I'm going to tell you what they... Look, this is how the, the market works. This is how the housing market works. It's based off of the black people movement. You feel me? You always hear shit. Afro man got a song. He's like, he was running through the white land. The houses went up for sale. You ever notice, like, during integration shit, when every time a black person moved into a place, the white people moved out and shit? Why? That started, that's right there started to show the black people that live there that these communities we're not supposed to be in for one. But then over time, I have to get away from my people because everybody wants to get away from me. I'm not one of the bad ones. But now because I affiliate now, it's like, OK. We move into the suburbs. OK. They move into the hood and change it to the suburbs. We never thought that we can do that because the shame in the community of who we are. We get cloned into pimps, hoes, and gangsters. We don't think we're supposed to do that. You don't realize that a pimp, the pimps, hoes, and the gangsters are the ones who devalue the communities, make them dilapidated. You feel what I'm saying? The shame of the culture is what allows gentrification to be possible. You're ashamed of the shit. Everybody wants to be a part of it, but nobody wants to be a part of it. When it's time for the music, oh, the Migos, hood, this and that, but nobody wants to be hood. When it's time to turn up to the trap music, but nobody's trapping. Y'all niggas ain't selling drugs. You shouldn't be listening to fucking trap music. You feel me? I had a per like, this is a tangent, but I had a person once say to me, um, because I was listening to a gospel song and shit. They was like, but you don't believe in God, so you shouldn't even be listening to gospel music. I said, do you sell drugs? No. Then why the fuck do you listen to trap music? Because I like the beat. All right, shut the fuck up and let me enjoy the beat. Kurt Franklin got some fucking bangers. Nigga. Kurt Franklin don't miss. Revolution, Melodies from Heaven, fucking uh, Silver and Gold. Got, he, he, got, he got hits. I like me. Like, he got some bangers. Smile like you feel me. So we're going to look at it. 
You don't sell drugs. I don't go to church. The fuck is music, right? But again, you see how in that moment, somebody tried to make me feel ashamed of some shit because I'm not affiliated. You see, now you see how shame works. It don't got to be big. It can be, it can, I happen to be experienced one of the most, uh, an, an extensive amount of shame, but it doesn't have to be big for it to start. Motherfucker could try to guilt you into saying, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Fuck you. Worry about yourself. Get your bitch ass. Fuck out my face. You feel me? So as I was saying, so the person is telling, asking me, how can you, uh, do you sell drugs? Have you ever sold a drug? Do you know how to cook crack? You ever been on the block? You know the prices? Like, you ever bought a key? Like, what, what did you, like, no. No. But that, what, what I got to do with it? So you can listen to trap music and not sell drugs, but I can't listen to gospel music and not be affiliated with gospel. See how stupid you sound? But again, I'm going to show how that ties into shame too, because shame creates alignment. We align with people who have experienced, who have shame too, or experienced certain shames that we have. And now we're friends. We're not really friends. We're friends because we can't tell on each other. I got your secrets. You got mine. I know this is about to get dark because how many friendships have you seen with motherfuckers like, yo, you know my secrets, don't expose me. You know how many motherfuckers are waiting to expose you? That's why I went on and exposed it all. <laughs> you can't shame me with what I'm not ashamed of no more, nigga. <laughs> I done went through the hardest trenches and shit. Ain't no shame in my motherfucking game. And I understand what that phrase meant. Because you got to understand, you got to get through the shame first to know what it means. It ain't no shame in your game. It's a lot of shame in a lot of motherfuckers' games. The sole fact that you can be triggered by the smallest shit shows that there's a lot of shame within you. Tri People don't understand where triggering comes from. Oh, my emotions were triggered. No, yo, shame was hit. That's why it hit you so hard. That's why it hit you so hard. That's why it's like when a motherfucker make a statement, the first thing you go to is the thing that you're ashamed of, the thing that's on your mind the most because you don't think you got it. You're not quite there yet. Call a nigga broke. He gonna get mad. You know, I got money. Okay. I had a conversation with a motherfucker and, and he's like, yo, he was like, yo, um, why don't you? I was like, cause I don't, <laughs> I think it was something about, um, the price of hitting a master in the market or some shit like that. He's like, why you don't sell it? He said, why you sell it for so much? It's like, cause it's not, it's not a lot. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, everybody can't afford it. Nigga, you can't. When I've noticed that when people are ashamed of something, they say everybody does this. Sit with that. Sit with that. Broskies, if you ever said this shit, if you heard, I've done it. When you are ashamed of something, you'll say everybody does this. To try to absolve yourself, to make it seem like, no, everybody don't do that. Everybody don't do that. There's so many women that I have been with in my past who... Now they're like, yo, damn, you really wasn't. I, I, so, I know, I know. I tried to tell you I wasn't like the other ones. You didn't want to believe it. You didn't want to believe it. Shame wouldn't let you believe it. You feel me? But when you are in that space, you're like, everybody do this? Mm -mm. So, when, you know, women were like, oh, niggas, I, I don't. And then it wasn't until after the fact, it was like, yo, you really wasn't like that. I, I tried to tell you. But that's how you have to group it. That's what shame will make you do. Rather than, and the reason why I'm using the women, because rather than admitting that, yo, I had been choosing wrong niggas the whole time. <laughs> I'm just going to say all of these motherfuckers are like this. Not that I'm attracted to some fucked up shit. It's not until you meet that motherfucker that is the outlier that you like, oh, it is me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And the shame you have is what leads you to the fuck boys because you think you deserve it. Same with us. As men, we walk into the situation because shame is a motherfucker. And we try to go, everybody do this. All these bitches like this. No, they're not. Only the bitches that you fuck with. You know why? Because shame won't let you fuck with bitches that are better. Matter of fact, shame is only going to let you fuck with bitches. I'm sorry. Like, I know I say it in a joking manner from time to time when I say bitch and I'm being, and I use a dramatic fact. I don't, I don't see women as bitches no more. I don't refer to women as bitches no more. You know why? Because my shame doesn't let me see that my, my, I do not have the shame that allows me to see the reflection of what a bitch is supposed to be with. I don't fuck with bitches because I'm not a dog. So therefore, I can't see bitches anymore. You see what I'm saying? And it, a lot of us wonder why, like, we like to laugh and comedy is so heavy because shame is a motherfucker, bro. When your personal identity is rooted in shame without you knowing it or not, you have to seek pleasure. People be like, yo, you have an addictive nature. No, you're shameful. You're ashamed of yourself. That's it. You were made to feel it, to be ashamed of yourself since you was a kid. And now you do drugs to escape the shame that you can't get away from. It's crazy. It's crazy. It never happened to me. But you hear stories of, you know, single mothers, you know, shitting on their sons because, oh, you just like your daddy. You just you shaming him. And now when he grows up to be the homosexual who doesn't even want to be a man, <laughs> how you going to be mad at that? How you going to be like, oh, I was born gay. You probably were shamed into it. I got a little cousin right there called. I got a little cousin. I mean, well, he's not a little cousin no more. He's my younger cousin. He's probably like two or three younger. But all our lives. All our lives, we called him gay. Since he was like four or five, you little faggot, you little this, that, and third, we called him gay. And he always wanted to sit up under his mama. We shamed him for his interpersonal intelligence. That's why I mentioned this in So For Real. The shit that I be talking about, y'all, it's not just me pulling. It's, it's everything that I've observed. I'm dope with this shit, bro. It's a gift. But again, a gift I would have never been able to exhibit had I still be ashamed of myself. Because I'm not I'm not worthy of this shit. If I stayed in a religion, I would have never, none of this shit would have never manifested itself because I would have never been able to overcome the shame to teach niggas how to get over this shit. It's motherfuckers right now making life decisions because they're ashamed of themselves. And they've been ashamed for so long that they haven't even processed the fact that every decision that I've made in my life is out of that. Like, why does my life work in shambles? Because you're ashamed of yourself. I had a friend when we first met I don't even think she realized how her interaction with me changed her over time. But when I say she was cynical, when I say she didn't think she could do shit, and I realized I thought it was just pessimistic. She was ashamed of herself. And then when she tells me her story, her backstory of, you know, how she grew up and, oh, you were made to be ashamed of yourself. Wow. I'm sorry for that. But I seen beyond her shame. As a friend, and because I seen beyond her shame, it let her see beyond her shame, and she transformed herself. We went, we started off in college together. You feel me? But she didn't finish, or uh, she left, or wherever started working, whatever the case may be. And when we spun the block and we started being friends, I didn't. Well, when we first went to college, I didn't like. We was in the same cheer program, and cheer was this little head start program, whatever. They gave us a thousand dollars and shit. And you can get a head start on your GPA. I went because of cheer. I went to college with a four what the fuck? Like, oh, you can you giving us a chance to get our GPA right? My nigga, okay. So um, we was in cheer together, but we never met. 
it wasn't until I came back from med school that we actually linked and, you know what I'm saying? We started being friends. We started vibing and shit. And from there, she's like, yeah, I never finished the undergrad. It's just what it was. And like meeting me, we were, we were, I, I, a lot. Wow. I'm going to finish the story. And I'm going to tell what that wow was. So in meeting me, she was able to see beyond that. She went back to school, finished. Not only that, at one point, she didn't even think she was going, she didn't even think she can get an undergrad degree. She didn't think it was, it was for her. This motherfucker don't went on to, and I'm saying motherfucker is like one of my best friends, but this motherfucker don't went on and got her um degree. I think she got another master's right after that and shit. And like, yo, she's doing it, doing it. She hits me up periodically and be like, uh, she'd be like, bro, I appreciate you so much. And sometimes that's all people need to see is that you can see beyond their shame. That's something that people always ask. Like the reason why I said, wow. And it's like, because I'm, I've met a lot of people who say I changed their life. And I realized I didn't change their life. I help you see beyond the shame. I allowed, like we talk, we can call it inner child being free or whatever the case may be. You allow a person shame to show and you don't judge them. And that allows them to see that there isn't anything to be ashamed about. These are recurrences of life, or this was an occurrence of my life. You know how many of our women, you know how many of our women are ashamed of themselves? Social media is showing you right motherfucking now. Social media is showing you right now. I need a six-figure man. Why? Because anything below that, I have to be ashamed of. Because I am ashamed of my current situation. Most of the motherfuckers that got a podcast is talking shit right now that's giving advice. They're giving you advice from an ashamed motherfucker. Nobody has universal red flags, people. You can't have universal red flags if you are indeed an individual. Because, again, the shit that bothers this motherfucker, it don't bother me. And the shit that bothers me doesn't probably won't bother this motherfucker. I'm like, why do you think that's so serious? Like, You see people getting mad. I'm like, there's no need for Yes, there's every re- reason for me to get that serious because you don't know what I'm ashamed of your bitch ass why are you yelling you don't have to get and so frail too i mentioned a very 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 important situation there was a sit and, and so frail too I, I i didn't really mention the situation i made a uh example of how uh a person a mother can tell her son or whatever a tell her, um her son go do something productive with your son and if he's not right within himself as a parent he's gonna feel like i do shit produ- he's gonna snap and be like, and now the person is on one side thinking, yo, I didn't even come at you like that. Rather than having the empathy to say, yo, why are you snapping like this? Because now you will realize, oh, you hit my shame because I already feel inadequate as a person. I already know that I fucked up in life and now I'm playing catch up and I have a child that I now have to take care of. Shame is a motherfucker. You hit where I'm shamed at. So I was triggered and I responded. That's what people don't realize about their triggers. If you still getting triggered, you still ashamed of the shit. You see a lot of motherfuckers right now, they decorating themselves as if they okay and they not. Social media is an illusory place. This is why I could just do my jam sessions and shit now, but social media is an illusory place. And a lot of the people that are there, they, they're, they're playing as if they're okay. A lot of them are ashamed of themselves. The, a lot of these people that have amassed a whole bunch of followers are ashamed of themselves. Hey, I ain't even gonna hold you, bro. There's a lot of changes going on in social media right now, especially in the black community. A lot of motherfuckers have scammed out of, some scammed a lot of people. And they completely just moved on. 
Like you, like, what do you, like, how do you wrong somebody and not feel shame about it? You say it's business. It's the nature of the business. I have a morality about myself. Shout out to ancient Egyptian economics. If you've never read that book, I encourage you to read that book, Ancient Egyptian Economics. It changes how you do business. It makes sure you only do right business, bro. Like, I I can't absolve myself if something is just business. I remember when I had a one-on-one. I always tell the story like she was my worst student. But me personally, I couldn't, I couldn't, I I would have been ashamed of myself knowing that I was supposed to teach her and I didn't teach her. And she didn't walk away taught. Now, when some people, oh, that's just the nature of the business. Now, there were so many other factors that played into that. You feel me? I still had to overcome. She just didn't get it. And we only did this in 30 days. And she, I had to erase what somebody had already programmed in her. So anytime something messed up, she goes back to that. She doesn't go back to the fact that I fucked up. I didn't learn this. Whenever I would sit back and ask her, hey, re- teach this back to me. Oh, I'm not ready for that. All right. All right. When I let you lose, don't get mad when you fail and say it's my fault. You already told me you weren't ready to learn to teach me. So that means you didn't learn it. You see what I'm saying? I'm not going to shame you for that. And I realized that that's something that, you know, was who I was. So that student, she showed me that, you know, for one, everybody can't be taught the same way. But after that, I spun the blog and I was like, here, I'm going to make sure we're going to make sure everything right. I gave her a whole because I knew that what she needed. She didn't want to read it. She just want to be able to go into the markets and follow a system. That's not how I was planning to teach it, but I didn't know that everybody didn't want to learn it that way. So now I could have been, fuck you. Like, you can kiss my ass. I did what I was supposed to do. You got the course. You're not doing your work. I could have been that. But I, I will feel ashamed of myself if I did some shit like that. Some motherfuckers ain't got shame. But then when some of the motherfuckers are ashamed, they can jump to a religion. I'm not taking personal shots at no fucking body. I'm just saying, when you don't want to lack accountability for what you just did and it's bringing you shame, you go to the religion to absolve yourself of it. Put your hands in the air, start crying, and then change your direction and say, hey, I didn't do shit wrong. Or you justify it by, oh, that was just the business and how it played out. I'll file bankruptcy. Whoa, y'all niggas got to fix that. You got to fix that. You don't feel any ounce of shame for that shit. Any ounce. For me, I couldn't do that. When when she was like, yo, this is what it, that's how the community came about. Because I was like, y'all, this game changes every day. Y'all are going to have to see this on a regular basis. Like, y'all going to have to see how you have to pivot every single day. I can't just leave y'all like that. Simply because of this person. I said, I can't leave y'all like that because I wouldn't leave her like that. And then once I gave her that final strategy, I said, use this. It'll work every single time. Because you're not one who's going to be preparing for the markets every single day. You need to see it like that. She said, wow, I got, she said, I must admit your strategy really works. I don't know what happened the last time. What happened the last time is you don't want to be accountable for the fact that you didn't do your part. But I couldn't let you walk away like that. Because I will be ashamed of myself if I did. This is the other side to that. Once you under, once you finally undercover and uncover shame and you absolve yourself of that shit, now it becomes more evident when you fall into a situation where you could be ashamed of yourself and you know that I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to sit in this space. I know ultimately this shit was about pride and shame, but we talk about pride being for destruction all the time and we never talk about the creations that come from shame. We never do. You feel me? Tying it back to the social media shit. All of these motherfucking people. I'm looking at you. I'm like, yo, you ashamed of that shit. That's why you have to keep pushing it. 
you're trying to convince people that you're not ashamed. Really, you're trying to convince yourself. Now that phrase makes so much sense to me now when people are like, you're not trying to convince me, you're trying to convince yourself. And that's absolutely right. You're trying to prove to yourself that you're not ashamed of yourself. As opposed to just doing what's necessary to not be ashamed of yourself. Because you don't know what's necessary to not be ashamed of yourself. Do you know why? Because you're internalized that everything that happens to you that is bad is a bad thing. You don't know how this, this is why I preach and I preach, this is why I preach <laughs> that your purpose is found on the other side of your pain. There's always been a method to my madness. I already knew certain shit, but your purpose is found on the other side of your pain because the very thing that you're ashamed of, that's what you pain, that's what hurts you the most. Once that stops hurting you, not when you're numb to it, but once it stops hurting you because you healed it, you'll find purpose and you'll be like, oh, and then you'll realize what you were ashamed of. You feel me? You don't realize how what what your what your life end up moving into when you're trying to convince yourself that you're not ashamed. You do stupid shit. You do stupid shit to prove points. You you last in shit farther than you're supposed to. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? Like going to like I used to brag about that shit. Like when I went to college and shit, I loved the way that I changed my attire. I let my like I I so much shit that I was ashamed of. I didn't like. It wasn't until I got cheated on. That I realized I ran away from myself. And I did what I ran away from the side that I was ashamed of. Cause I felt like it was the hood nigga in me that got that got me like that. I felt like it was the, the the part that me coming from the hood. I was like, I never just looked at it as yo, it was a situation that happened. It was the catalyst that the relationship between you and that person brought out that wasn't supposed to happen. Simple. You made it happen, you faced it, you dealt with it. That's it. But it's like, nah, I had to convince y'all that I'm a good person. Because I started questioning myself. Am I really a good person? I didn't do, I didn't, like, damn, does, is there, am I a bad person on, on the low? Like, like, what the fuck happened? And again, even in that situation, I cared more for her than I did for myself. Because at the time, I didn't have shame. I wasn't ashamed of what I did. And I wasn't ashamed of what I did because I didn't realize that I did anything wrong. Because all I'm doing is visualizing everything that I'm seeing. Everybody's doing this. My dad and my mom are four years apart. You feel me? I used to watch the big homies come pick the girls up from high school that I was trying to holler at. <laughs> you feel me? I'm in 10th, I'm in 19th grade and shit hollering at the seniors and shit that these niggas is picking up. They're coming like, this is how, this is how like, man, my niggas ran the city, bro. And it's, it's, it sucks because it's like, you don't know that now. But like, my homies and shit, the big homies, I the kind of pick. I said, I said, like, I'm like, yo, hey, I can ride with you. Hell nah, nigga, I ain't picking you up. Who you picking up, nigga? Why are you here? You feel what I'm saying? And they picking up. One, man, she was in my third period class, bro. What you doing? You see it. You see it all the time, so you don't think anything is wrong with it. That's why shame hits so hard because the shit that you get, you get shamed for. You never thought anything was wrong for it. When you get in trouble in school, shame is internalized a long time in the black family. The shit that we do. At home, we learned it at home. We just take it to school. And now, you don't, you know better than to be doing that in public. That's really what we're saying. Because I'm, I'm going to keep doing it at home. You just don't do it outside. You feel me? Rather than, yo, my child shouldn't even be seeing this behavior in order to emulate. But now when the children emulate, you know better than that. Do they really? You know how many, this is This is something that I've heard in our culture forever. We tell kids. And as, as I heard it as a kid, heard it to my, my cousins, I was like, maybe. But then as I got older, I just looked. I started observing the new generation, talking to the kids and everything. Like, you didn't teach them. 
when did you oh they know better when did you teach them sit with that like when did you sit down and say this particular thing is wrong because you can tell a child not to touch a hot stove why because it's hot and it'll burn you they'll not touch that hot stove but if they're constantly touching the hot stove they don't know you never told them it was gonna burn them you never told them it was gonna hot you never told them what was not now see now you got to learn the hard way you just beat them we beat our babies and we never teach our babies. And because we never teach our babies, we send them back out for what we beat them for and they go do it again. Because the root is still there. I don't know why I did what I did. Now I did it, and I, but I do know that I've seen you do it. I've seen somebody around me do it. So I thought it was okay. You know why? Because you didn't stop them. You didn't whoop them. You didn't check them. But you checked the child. So now the child starts to develop that level of shame and that translates to the hatred. You know how many of my homies and shit we grew up in school? Like, this is why we got to be so fly. You feel me? I just so happen to be one of those motherfuckers who, like, growing up in poverty and shit, like, my mom, she valued clean clothes over new clothes. Some of my, and some of my homies and shit and some of the people that I went to school with had to fly as shit, but it was dirty because they couldn't wash it because they didn't want it to fade. They didn't want it to lose the origin of which it was. If you don't wash that shit, my mom was never like that. My mom was like, the fuck? I don't. And because of that, I didn't care if my jeans was faded. Because I'm like, they clean, nigga. The fuck? Your shit got ketchup stains on it from last week that you didn't clean off. What do you mean? I'm fly, though. No, you're not. You're dirty, nigga. <laughs> you're dirty in the vibrant color. That's all. That's all. You feel what I'm saying? But again, that's shame. That shame. Think about the re look, think about that reality. You're ashamed of where you, you're so ashamed of yourself. You don't even you're so ashamed of your circumstances that you won't even clean your clothes properly. For the sake of of revealing what your circumstances are. You feel what I'm saying? And then because of the shame, we do we do reckless shit. I know this woman, she was telling me a story about um how she had a pair of black Air Force Ones and shit that she, you know, they were old and she was still wearing them, but it, whatever. And somebody was joking on her Air Force Ones and shit. And she was like, I don't get it. And then he was like, oh, them shit's old. They just that the third. But she said, like, later on that in that class, in the conversation, he was like, yeah, man, I wanted the food stamps going to hit today. She said, so wait a minute. And she, she now she was with it. Like, her, her mouth was, man, <laughs> she was violent with the shit. But again, it's some deep-rooted shit with that. But you know what I'm saying? She said, so let me get this straight. You're joking on my Air Force Ones, and you on food stamps? Just because you're... It's just like, it don't make sense. She said, yeah, my Air Force Ones are old, but I live in a community in which we don't use food stamps. My refrigerator is always full. You're talking about yours being fresh, and you have food stamps. Dude cussed her out. Shame is a motherfucker. Now, shame will have you doing destructive shit so you can try to take it away from yourself and say, oh, I'm fly, I'm this, that, and the third, but it's the shell. This is why we decorate our shell so much. I'm going to start to bring it to a close, but I started to realize one of the differences between me and a lot of people and why a lot of people can't realize why I push through shit, why a lot of people don't realize, like, why don't I care about, you know, being popular and I said I'm not ashamed of myself anymore and I'm not trying to right or wrong I've, I've lived that life already chasing something to every time I get it I get it I get it I get it and it's like this is going to help erase this there was a time when I was like I literally said that when I was like yeah well when they look back I'm like, yo, but I still graduated from this I still went to med school I still this and that there and I was like damn really you still ashamed of yourself for that shit 
don't even know that you're still ashamed of yourself because you think your ambition is what's going to erase that. No, you can't erase it till you decide to erase it. You're the one with the eraser is what I'm telling myself. I can't write something on the chalkboard and then say erase without getting my ass up and going to the chalkboard and erasing the motherfucker. I had to stop being the victim. I had to stop looking at it as, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm not ashamed of myself anymore. I'm not. So now when I do certain shit, it's like I do it and I can say, hey, it is what it is. Some motherfuckers are ashamed of themselves because they're a certain age and they feel like they haven't accomplished anything. Well, did you give yourself the time to accomplish it? That's the real question. How you gonna be how you gonna be mad at yourself for not completing a task that you didn't even decide to start? Or you didn't prepare for? Like they got women, they got they're trying to shame women for not having babies right now because they in their 30s and shit. And it's like, yo, homie, did she prepare for that shit? We seen what happens when you don't prepare for shit. We come from a lot of people be like, yo, that you until you've been a parent now, but you don't have to be a parent to understand what it's like to be a child. Yeah, I get it. Parenting may be hard or whatever the case may be, but children, childhood don't come with a manual. You think a motherfucker get a manual and say, hey, you're going to get a parent who's unprepared. <laughs> that shit hit different. You know what I'm saying? And again, pride, a lot of motherfuckers. And I heard Pac say a line that was so powerful to me. He said, I've been really wanting babies so I could see a side of me that wasn't always shady. So many people have babies. We be thinking people have babies to build a relationship and to make a, keep a man or keep a woman or whatever the case may be. I've learned I think people have babies so they can see a better version of themselves. And it fucks up because they don't see the better version of themselves. You know why? Because you were supposed to guide that better version and you didn't even have the better version of yourself to guide them. Because you were ashamed of it. It's like we have kids to erase and think, okay, all of my shame is going to... No, your shame is now going to be transmuted into your baby. (gasps) Yep. They're going to be parented according to your shame and your pride, but mainly your shame. Your shame is going to mislead if you if you are leading through your shame. If everything you're doing is to prove a point to somebody, everything like if you a people pleaser, you got shame. Like you you are very ashamed of yourself. And I mean that respectfully. I don't mean it like I'm trying to shit on you or anything like that. There's a direct. I used to be a people pleaser. This is the only reason why I know. You feel me? I became a people pleaser at 17 years old because the way everybody looked at me. They look at me like, I don't want you to see me as the monster anymore. Let me do whatever I need to do for not for you to not see that. So I started reading the Bible, started going back to church, started doing this. Everybody started fucking with me again, but it was fucking me under the principle that I was being, I was ashamed of myself, which means that I either had, I had to keep being ashamed of myself or pretend not to be ashamed to please these niggas. And then once I actually healed, the shit changed. Healing and actually alleviating yourself of shame, it, it, it does something different than masking the shame. I don't hide who I am. I don't care. I don't give a fuck about, I don't have to, I don't care anymore about the opinion of others because I don't have the shame of myself. That's why I don't get triggered by shit. That's why motherfuckers can disrespect, they can say disrespectful shit that doesn't disrespect me. You feel me? One thing that I learned is that people will always try to hit your weak points. And it's like, oh, but what about this? What about that? You all, you two get like, you know, because you're trying to hit what you think I'm ashamed of. Because you would be ashamed of it if that was you. I'm not you. And you're not me. I've already overcome this obstacle. World's over. I'm not afraid of this shit. I'm not ashamed of this shit. I made peace with it. 
Now that I think about it, I'm just going to call this episode Shane. <laughs> it was supposed to be both, but fuck it. It's just Shane because I ended up talking about that the most. But it was just, it was real heavy on me. You, people don't understand what shame does to you. And people don't realize how effective they are by shame. Just because you can tell, you can say the words, I ain't ashamed of nothing. Ain't no shame in my game. Just because you get, it's easier to say than it, it's easier said than done because it's easier to say than it is to do. Just because you can say, I'm not ashamed doesn't mean you're not. Show me the actions of a not ashamed motherfucker. Show me a motherfucker who's confident in themselves. Show me the, the motherfucker who can look at a situation and say, okay, I didn't do this. So many can't. You know why? Because that's what religion was for. Religion was purposely put in place to make sure you don't ascend over shame. Imagine telling you, <laughs> imagine you're a born sinner. Imagine you, they, they tell you that you were born to be ashamed of yourself. You, you, you were born fucked up. So the shame starts there. And it creeps in and it grows. You don't even realize how much your life is patterned off of the fact that you are ashamed of yourself or ashamed of a certain aspect of yourself. I'm going to say this and I'm going to start to wrap it up. My voice is. My voice is the actual thing that I was supposed to be giving the world the most. My voice also is the very thing everybody shamed me for as a kid. My siblings. Um, in school, like the way in which I spoke, everybody laughed at. Why you talk so proper? Why I ain't gonna hold you. My brother and my sister, they call my mama ma, everything. I call my mom mother for like a good six years. I mean, this is from birth up until six, up until it got annoying for them to kept la keep laughing at me. Cause I was like, mother, why does this happen? Mother, cause you're my mother. But they shamed me for it. Then I started mom, mom, and all that shit. Now, granted, that was small shame, but still. They were shaming even deeper than that. It wasn't just for the mother. It was for the way in which I spoke. Spoke like a fucking poet from the <laughs> medieval times and shit. Mother. <laughs> it's like, like, that's how she would say it. And she would, um, she would be telling me the story. She'd be like, whenever you deep in thought, she'll look at something. She'd be like, mother. <laughs> and she said, I know you about to ask me something, something philosophical or something. You know what I'm saying? But then it got to a point where they kept laughing at it over and over and over again. Made me stop talking like that. But then they started to pick on my voice. They started to pick on the inflections of how I use. Like, they used to call, like, my siblings and shit, they used to call me squat, right? Because when they call me squat, it's like, when you're the youngest, you got to fight for your position. So at the time, when we would talk, I have to yell and talk over them. But I was at a point where I was transitioning into puberty and shit, right? So my voice would break. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers are assholes, bro. But my voice would break. So they would call me squawk. I'm like, damn, Scott, stop squawking. I'm like, I'm not squawking. I'm fucking trying to get my point across and y'all ain't listening. And they would do that because they knew that that could shut me up. But what they didn't know, but that it was internalizing me to have a shame, be ashamed of my voice. That's what they didn't know. How could they know? Because they don't know that this is my purpose. They don't know that this is a part in alignment with my purpose. You feel what I'm saying? I went to um when I was in middle school again same time this is when my voice is transitioning I'm breaking this shit like so my voice as a kid when I before it, the bass and everything came into it yeah it was annoying as shit it was it was high pitched drill it was very monotone it was you know what I mean like but because of how I experienced life 
But then when I was like middle school, eighth grade, I think I was eighth or seventh grade, I was my voice was breaking again at that time. And so I was in a class and I was rapping one time, just freestyling. And this girl, she tells me, you don't have the voice for rap. Hmm. 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 At the time, I think I'm like 13. Mind you, I started rapping at 12. Started rapping at 12. Yeah. So I was like, hey, I guess I don't got the voice for it. I don't got the voice for it. Until I was 15, and one of my homies said, bro, yo, you can flow. Let's rap. And we just started rapping, and it went from there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, I'm saying that to say this. I was made to feel ashamed of my voice. But my voice is the number one thing I'm supposed to be given. A lot of us are ashamed for the very thing that we're supposed to be given. Right? But we don't know that we're ashamed. And because we don't know that we're ashamed, everything that we're doing, everything that we do, is going to take us deeper away from that very thing. You feel me? As a person who uses his voice, it would be wise to keep my voice healthy, right? When I look at the situations that I have been in and the situation, like, it ultimately, like, that ashamed part of my voice, it led me to sabotage my voice. Smoking, you know, man, I, I smoked for a lot. Like, I, I, I think I started smoking. I started smoking at 12 years old, bro. Well, I smoked weed for the first time at 11, but I think I started smoking at 12. For sure. I remember it because I hit a cigarette for the first time and it closed my vocal cords. Almost died. It scared the fuck out of me. Like, soon as my homie was like, you got to hit it like this. You got to puff and go, so that way it go down. When I hit it, I was like, he was like, breathe. I said, I can't. My, my, my whole vocal cord. I mean, not my vocal, my esophagus shut. My wimp, all that shit, it shut. I couldn't breathe in and I couldn't, I couldn't inhale and I couldn't exhale. And I'm grabbing for him. He's laughing. I'm like, nigga, I can't breathe. He said, go, <gasps> I'm trying. I'm like, <gasps> you know how you take a, <sighs> that's what I was trying to do. But all I can do is, <gasps> it took me five, 10 minutes to actually get some solid oxygen into my body. I was like, bro, I don't want to smoke, but I never stopped smoking after that. And I never put two and two together. Like, as long as I'm not using my voice, I smoke. When I am using my voice, I don't, I don't have the desire to. But it was even deeper than that because of the shame that I felt for my voice. That's crazy. That's crazy because the very thing that shames you the most might be your gift. It might be the very shit that is required for you to give into the world. And because you're ashamed of it, you don't think you're supposed to be using it. You feel what I'm saying? And I use that example of, you know, my voice, those are, that's just some, those are just small things because it was reinforced. The moment something like when shame starts to happen, you get reinforced over and over and over again. You know what I mean? But then, like I said, when you internal, when your personal identity becomes rooted in shame, you're going to do hateful shit. And I don't mean hateful shit as if, you know, you're just an evil person. No, hateful and shit is that you do shit for the detriment of your life. You just do shit for detriment. And you don't even, and you can have the intention to be doing good, but it leads to detriment anyway. You ever realize that? The rebounding of a relationship is shame. We fucked up. We trying to save face, so we now go hop into another relationship with the same motherfucker. Rather than realizing this relationship with this type of energy just failed. I'm going to take the energy I have and go find this energy again and try to make it work. When I looked at relationships and shit with the women uh, who, you know, may have been re like 
the re I would when I was a rebound, I was almost like the guy that she was with. When I got cheated on, the guy was just like me and who I was. You see what I'm saying? So I'm like, oh, what is it about the rebound? The rebound is okay. I now am ashamed of what happened, but I'm going to hop into another relationship because I don't want to look single. I'd rather look single than stupid. Because now you keep hopping into this loop over and over again. And now you get to the point where it's these are fuck boys or these are bum bitches. No, you're self-sabotaging. Your shame lets you run into the same cycle of people. And now you're trying, you get back into the situation so that way you can look and say, I saved face. I want to do this shit so I can now have somebody that I'm not ashamed of in a relationship. You got to stop being ashamed of yourself first. It's that simple. When you when you stop having shame for whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? When, you know how, you know how, I'm going to add the sisters to this one real quick. You know how how devastating it is to shame a woman for having a natural biological function? Like women ain't supposed to be fucking, but men supposed to be fucking forever. And then now when you like, that's the, like women, like the way in which the shame works, it's like, yo, when you shame a woman into having sex, you fuck up. I don't want like, I love a freak. But not in this freak in the sense that, you know, do some off the wall shit. No, um, I guess y'all would call it I'm vanilla because certain shit you not doing and certain shit I'm not doing. All right. But when we talk about, you know, women, like we shame women out of the sex or whatever the case may be. It's like, but I fucked her. I just done the third. So now when you shame, when you imagine conceiving a woman who thinks the act of conceiving is shameful. Oh, in, you, everybody say it, do it right, get married. Nigga, sex is what constitutes a marriage. They didn't have rings then. When you put the penis in the vagina, you were married, dumbass. But y'all don't read the shit to understand that. It's not the ring. It's not the dowry that makes the wedding happen. Mm -mm. It's the penetration of the penis into the vagina. That's why she needed to be a, a virgin because it's like, I need to know that I'm the first one in it. But again, we fast forward. Now we're in a space where any woman who's not married, who's, oh, you don't have a ring. You just done the third. And now you feel ashamed. You feel ashamed. So much so, I'm going to say this and I'm going to wrap it up. You ever been about to fuck a chick? And this is young, young ages. You know what I'm saying? Y'all go together. That's your girlfriend. Y'all vibe. Y'all go to the movies and shit. Y'all hang out. Y'all parents know each other. But when it's time to have sex, she puts her hands over her face as you take her clothes off. If that's not a telltale sign of being ashamed, I don't know what is. If she has already, if, if her face has already been covered in the moment, this is all unconscious shit that she's doing. This entire experience is now going to be a shameful experience for her. And a lot of people be like, yo, after, you know, I ain't sleep with you last night. Well, you can talk to me because I'm ashamed of what just happened. And it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the perception that I have of sex. I shouldn't be just having it right now. But I just randomly had sex with somebody. I'm ashamed of that. But I'm absolved my shame by doing what I do. So when we look at that and we look at, you know, if a woman is already covering her face, when you about to have sex with her and you get her pregnant, 
How do you think she's going to be able to raise a child? Better yet, how do you think she's going to be able to raise your child out of shame? And are you shameful enough? And do you have enough shame within you that when she conceives the, the baby, you think you're not, you're not fit enough to be the father, so you leave it? And that shame of whether you were worthy or not makes you inevitably the deadbeat creating from the point of shame leading to detriment. And don't forget to check out Pala Cafe Clothing, formerly Just Seen's merch. Get all of your intricate designs crafted specifically for the melanated being to develop a positive imagery within self and to have a little bit of fun in the process. From the peace, love, knowledge, and freedom to the dead horses and water designs, all the styles are crafted for the imagery to make you feel as you're supposed to feel. Because as I always say, the best way to fit in is to stand out. And what better way to stand out than with your exclusive styles of Pala Cafe clothing? And I'm going to go ahead and end it there. So I, I, I use that last part. I wanted to say this with that last part. Um, when J. Cole got a song where he was talking about a dude that was like, a shorty was talking to dude because she got pregnant or whatever. She was like, yo, you tell me that you know what it's like to be raised without a father because you just done the third. But again, I don't know shit else. So now the shame is still going to make me do the, repeat the same cycle. You know what I'm saying? Some people don't realize how potent shame is because we're so busy worried about pride, not realizing that pride is the same shit. If pride comes before destruction, I mean, shame's come, shame has to come before creation. But whatever it is that you're ashamed of will determine how you create that reality. That's a beautiful expression of understanding how to overcome shame. A lot of people want to know where healing starts. Where do you start healing? You start healing when you understand shame. Not like the root chakra is cool. Sacral chakra is cool. The, the, the personal identity is what, in my opinion, you still got to go through the other ones, but the personal identity is the one that's really going to transform your life and make you realize who you are. Because what you are ashamed of ultimately is going to pattern your life, just like what you have pride in. It's going to make what, be what patterns your life. You feel me? A lot of times, because we haven't achieved anything, we don't have status. We're in a societal, that's, uh, come on, bro. They've been putting us in classes since we were kids. And we like, yo, this is, we shouldn't be in a class system. We'll break down the education system because it creates the classes right there. I just did a jam session that I'm about to drop this weekend where I was saying, um, I said, Pete, there was a time in public schools that there was a line dividing the honors and regular specialty students, but now we are clueless to who's and who's and such and such. We are. On social media, you don't know who's in the slow classes anymore. You don't know who was in the honors classes anymore. You don't know who was in the regular classes anymore. In the classes that, were th that they were in, you don't know how they performed. Were you a low-performing honor student? Were you a high-performing um, special ed student? Where were you? That all matters in a way because now these trials and tribulations that we go through in the class system, in the education system where the class is developed, now we see who has money, who doesn't, who's thinking, who, who can read, who can't, who can read well, who struggles to read, who, uh, who can pass a test, who knows the information, who's the genius, who gets skips ahead, who gets held back. Y'all don't think all of that shit affects you? 
on an internal level. I get George Bush thing about, oh, no child left behind. That was one of the worst things ever because now there's no shame. There's no shame to overcome. All, all shame ain't, depth, ain't deep enough to make you to not do it. Some things you're ashamed of, you're like, oh, shit, nigga, that's, that is what it is. You know how many motherfuckers became better students because they got left back? I know a woman. I didn't even know she got left back because I didn't beat her to high school. But um, she posted one of her elementary school pictures, and I was like, wait a minute. You was in that? Hmm. That means you were supposed to be in my class, but you was the year after me. You're, um, you're under me. You know what I mean? She's an entrepreneur now. Very successful entrepreneur. And it's like, oh, hmm. It's what you do with it. But you got to realize, I'm not saying she was ashamed that she got let back or whatever the case may be, but I'm showing how the class system starts there. And then what you have and what you don't have. And that's what creates the shame or not. Based off what you don't, and most people don't have. But they act like they do. See what I'm saying? So now when you send your kids to school under the premise that, okay, the kids don't know what the fuck they're getting sent to school with. So yeah, you got the fly gear and everything like that. Now you sending your kid to school to go roast a motherfucker who don't have it, but your kid don't even know that you're struggling too. You a couple bills away from not being able to give them them Jordans no more. Or when you got to get these Jordans because you got to miss out on two or three bills to shift it and then catch up in Christmas. Don't nobody talk about that. Don't nobody talk about the, the, the shame that you have to carry with that. Don't nobody talk about the shame that comes with fucking poverty. That's why niggas leave the shit and don't come the fuck back because they're still ashamed of the shit. They haven't made peace with it. When you are no longer ashamed of your circumstances, that's how you can come back and give back to it. When you're still ashamed of it, you're still going to criticize it. You're still going to shit on it, but yet you cannot detach from it because you need it to survive. Poverty is painful because it promotes shame. You're ashamed of your circumstance. You're ashamed of your existence. You're ashamed of everything because you can't do anything. Which, But now, rather than fixing that shame, you go in, you go to the liquor stores, you go to all of these things. Why do you think all that it is on the corners, bro? Liquor stores and churches are the number one things in the communities. Why? Because we know what your shame is going to lead you to. Either the bottle or the church. When I look at my family, when I look at my bloodlines, the two bloodlines that I was designed to merge and create and, and help and help either break, build, or do whatever I'm supposed to be doing with them. My dad's side of the family, most of them are alcoholics, but they don't go to church. My mom's side of the family, don't drink, but they only go to church. All of them share a similar thing when I listen to their stories, when they talk about the theme, shame from poverty. I just want to get out. I just want to get out. I just got to get out. Imagine wanting to get out something all your life. That means you're trapped in it. The desire and the longing to get out means that you're trapped. You see what I'm saying? Now, when we look at our cultures, go back to slavery. How did you handle? How did you deal with slavery? Either church or alcohol. Loki, you're ashamed. There's a different level of shame that happens. Demoralization, emasculation, that's a different level of shame that embeds into a... Now, imagine when shame becomes the culture. When the shame becomes the culture, you can make the culture fight to be civil. And now, in fighting for civil, I'm going to make you be ashamed of never being civilized. So when I kill you in the motherfucking streets, 
I could say, hmm, you weren't doing civil behavior. The very behavior that you're ashamed of. So now I absolve. I make your community no longer get mad. I make your community look past. I make the world look past it because you were supposed to fight for civil rights. The very thing that you fought for, you didn't do. So you should be ashamed of it. So your killing was justified. This is psychological warfare. This is the power of shame. This is why motherfuckers can't get off their root chakra. I mean, um, solar plexus chakra. It's why their personal identity is fucked up. This is why many motherfuckers spend life pretending. Because of shame. I'm a transparent motherfucker because I have nothing to be ashamed of anymore. I don't. Because I realize the power of what shame really is. But I realize that shame is just how I feel about some shit that I did or didn't do. And how I... Mm, no, shame is how I believe the world thinks about some shit that I did that they don't even know about. You feel what I'm saying? And and as long as we continue to operate in that space, shame is going to fuck us up. Because shame is going to lead to detriment. It's going to make us do dumb shit. So we'll get, we get into relationships because we think we deserve this shit. We deserve to be with this type of person or we deserve to be with that, with that type of person. Some detrimental shit. You ever seen a motherfucker get in an abusive relationship and they just can't leave? Oh, they feel they deserve it. Hmm. Hmm. Shame makes them feel that they deserve it. But it's not until you decide you're done with shame that you'll get out of it. That's how abusive relationships, like, look at the Tina Turner story, like, you feel me? She didn't listen or some shit like that. You don't listen to me. Like, I ain't going to use Tina Turner. I'm not even going to do that. Rest her soul. Um, look at just any abusive relationship. She was like, oh, but I just wasn't listening to him. I was like, that's shame. That's shame. You are that ashamed of yourself that you think you deserve to be beat because you did something wrong. Where does that stem from? And with that being said, go kiss your babies. Make sure they eat their vegetables. And the cycle that we need to break the most, if we want to continue any lineage, it ain't got shit to do with financial freedom. It ain't got shit to do with financial literacy. All that means nothing if we do not stop creating shameful babies. We create black children and send them to spaces that aren't, that do not support blackness and tell them to be as black as you possibly can be. And then... On the inside, they're internalizing certain things that they now become ashamed for. So much so that they give pass. This is where they, these cookout invites come from. This is where these white people get confident of, I grew up around black people so I could say nigga. How do you always grow up, go up around hood black people? The black people that are ashamed of being black. Now, I'm, I grew up in the hood. I'm not shitting on hood people because that's where all the innovation and culture is but the shame in the hood is why we create all this innovation and leave it fucking there there's no way in hell you can convince me we creating all of this shit and we have a pride of ourselves to where we will want to keep it no we sell that shit we don't want it because it's ghetto it's hood these labels are, are purposefully done so now when our kids are growing up saying oh, wait that's not ghetto that's what that was creative that's what i wanted to do nah that's ratchet that's this that and the third they put all of these labels on the shit so we feel ashamed of our shit and then now when we get older, now we complain. Yo, now, yo, when I was 10 years old, Kylie Jenner comes out with boxer braids. Look, I got roasted in middle school for having big lips. 
I couldn't change it. That's just what it was. They used to roast me up. You got big lips and shit like that. Okay, cool. But you were roasting me because of the shame of being black. These are Afroquois features. You feel me? I remember I was in high school and this dark-skinned girl said I had a big nose. My response to her was like, you as black as your peacoat. Again, two motherfuckers ashamed of being black. I'm 17. I'm like 17. No, I was 18 years at this time because I had went to college or whatever. And it was my first. I was like, yo, she chat on a black peacoat. And she was like, you know what? You gain weight. It don't make your nose look so big. And I said, that, that fucking peacoat don't make your skin look that dark or some shit I said. You know, fucked up shit. Shame. These dominant Africoid features, these features that fucking make us beautiful fucking people we're ashamed of. And we roast each other for it. We want to stop this shit, yo. We got to make sure our babies are good. We got to make sure our babies aren't ashamed of being black. And not just the skin. That's the problem. We want our we want to be embraced for the skin with the Caucasian mind. No, nigga. Let everything be black, motherfucker. And let the child have pride in that. And no longer have shame in being black. Because now when you get your children, and oh, why did they bring home a white girl? Why wouldn't they? Why did she date outside her race? Why wouldn't she? Every dark-skinned woman that I know that I went to high school with, not every, but a majority of dark-skinned women that I went to high school with had babies with white men. Oh, she a sellout. She just that and the third. No, she not. No, she not. And, it's, and that shame that she feels, it comes from I'm not allowing my baby to feel that. I want my baby to be beautiful. I want my baby. Like, I know so many dark-skinned women with contacts. Let them shits be brown. Your shits ain't blue. It's okay. You see what I'm saying? It's levels to the shit. Shame is a motherfucker. And you can say all day you love yourself and all this, that, and third, but it reflects in how you create your children. It reflects in how you create your children. If the parent is broken, the child is cracked. And it's up to you to either mend that crack to make sure that they don't break or tap a little bit harder on the glass to make sure it goes through. But I'm going to go ahead and end it there. That's the end of season 10 because I got to get back focused so I can give y'all y'all undivided attention. I feel like I went out on a good note, but uh, go kiss your babies. Make sure they eat their vegetables. And I see y'all in a couple weeks when season 11 is back. Peace, love, knowledge, and freedom. I'm out.